What is up, everybody? Welcome to Self Improved. I'm sorry I don't have an intro. I was, you know, if this was a legit podcast, I would have a legit intro. But, you know, this is a passion project, people. I'm not looking to make money from this podcast. I'm just doing this for fun, and whatever happens, happens. Because I am an information hoarder, and I just like to get the info I learn out. I don't like to keep it in. So let's do this. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about some things a friend told me. So not even just wisdom and whatnot from podcasts, but what my friend learned in podcasts, and then he told me he learned. Yeah, it's, it's a big learning Inception moment here, okay? <laughs> On the agenda, by the way, is going to be some TikTok chokhmah. And if we got some time, like the tiniest book summary, well, summary summary. I had listened to a summary and I'm going to summarize that summary. I know, really trippy. And I'm sorry, I sound like an absolute schmo when I, I do that. We then move on to this little mini seminar on healing early trauma that I thought kind of cool. I don't know if that's up your alley. And that probably is as far as we'll get. We shall see. I don't know. But I'm going to kick things off with some poetry. Who doesn't like poetry? It's it's very short. It's almost like a, a high cue. Um, let's do this. Did I say high cue or is it high cue? I, I have no idea. Anyways, as long as we share the same moon, I may be at peace. Because even if we are a mile or a million apart, you'll never be a moon away. How schmaltzy and romantic is that? But if you think about it, because I wrote this down simply because right away you think of people. You think of people in your life you really dig. If they are across the world, you are still sharing a moon and you know they can see that moon. Right? Think about this. It's such a nice feeling. It is so warm. So warm to know someone is also there seeing the sun and the moon you see and you know they're out there. And that alone can bring you at peace, is that you are on the planet together. It's like you are sharing uh, an experience together. Anyways, we'll move on. My buddy Scott Thompson. Look up Scotty Thick on Instagram. He's got all the fitness knowledge you need because we work together. He talked about scientists putting a chip in a monkey's head. And the monkey could control its arms and doors. Well, because like mechanical arms, I mean, not... Yeah, anyways. It was moving mechanical bionic arms and doors with its head. A woman also was able to control things from across the world with her head. So who knows if technology like that will get implemented in the future. Do you think it will? How could it affect the future? Think about athletes, musicians, people in the trades. They don't want to degrade their bodies and they want a long career. Maybe they'll use bionics for as long as they can and and use their own limbs. I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud here. Like where could this go? Like could we increase the longevity of fields? But then if you dive into sports and think about that, you see now we're going to have to create different leagues for the bionic people. It would be more maybe jobs, right? The jobs. That, but I don't know. Are there consequences to that even? Like someone entering the workforce, will they have to hire a young person? You know, will they have to hire a young person to that trade if they know they have people that will work an extra 20 years because their hands aren't going to give out. Also, how long until chips implanted in a person's hand becomes normal? Would you do this? Like, is it even necessary? And if you're confused, I'm referring to a chip like on a credit card. So you could, in essence, pay for things by just scanning your hand. You would never have to have a wallet. 
Um, and now the concept of not only do we get rid of cash, because it's inevitable, cash is going to go extinct, maybe not in our lifetime, but, and when I say cash, like I know, I know technically your debit card is cash. I'm just saying tangible physical money that will go extinct. I'm sorry. It's face the music. I don't care if that, that hits you hard. No more cash is going to be a thing. And one day, no more credit cards, no more actual tangible cards. Even this is what I'm saying. We're going to be scanning maybe our, our hands or something. Or, or maybe when we're born, they implant a chip into our body the same way we get a SIN number. And maybe that's how the world will work. I don't know. You tell me. There was a term Scott told me about called eugenics. Uh, this is being able to get rid of diseases, right? Like CRISPR and whatnot. So let's, let's talk about this. Is that okay? What is the ethical issue with getting rid of disease? Well, some people refer it to God, right? Or the universe, whatever your form of God is. And they say like this... Now we're deciding what's right or wrong when people love their children with disease or, or any sort of disability. Uh, and this is a toughie, right? Like, what do you do? What do you subjectively think would give them a better life? I personally don't think disability, they aren't, a disability is not a disability, right? Like you aren't a, it's, you're not having a shittier life necessarily just because someone either has a developmental issue or even like a physical disability. Like, it's just, they don't know any different. And I think a lot of people, they forget this. Now, when we're talking disease, if you know you can prevent your kid from dying at the age of 10 with some sort of cancer, that to me is okay. That is okay. I don't care what you say about God's plan and whatever. I'm sorry. It's it's like, it just why wouldn't you get rid of that? Now, obviously, pros and cons with everything. They call this actually the, uh, what do they call this? It's the ground commons oh something about the land of the commons issue it's a mental model where i'll tell you this story is they allowed farmers to have some cows and it was beneficial it was increasing the economy in this part of boston like way back and people were making money the city was making money it was a win-win everyone was making money because they were giving people could get cows but then the cows started eating all the grass and, and they couldn't grow it fast enough and sooner or later the good thing which was the cow right that was a good thing ended up being a bad thing because then there was no crop available and cows started to die and then people started to lose money that relied on that income. So what was actually good was actually bad. And that's what I'm referring to here is if we prevent death, if we prevent cancer, it is good, but for all we know, it could come back to bite society in some way that I can't even recollect right now. I don't, I don't know, or, or conceptualize. Uh, an argument some people have is subjectively deeming one trait greater than another. So if a person, if, if part of their trait and attributes is having cancer, we right away think a human being is better without cancer. And it, it, I'm kind of repeating myself, but it comes back to like that subjectivity and who are we to subjectively decide what's better and not. There are other things too, like if you could affect intellect, so a higher IQ versus a lower IQ who are we to say the higher IQ is better and that that person's gonna have a better life like we don't know like so many people with high IQs are miserable and don't succeed in whatever they're doing and vice versa uh, another thing now and, and so that's why I think like I don't know if that's even a thing you'd want to fix and then let's say people are superficial about it they want their kid to be stronger right have the genetics for more muscle or, or even different color hair or eyes like I want to look I want my kid to look more like me which is narcissistic as fuck but whatever if people did that that isn't cool in my opinion. 
to manipulate DNA like that is not cool. But when it comes to the disease, I don't know, something, the empath in me, I would never wish it upon anyone to have their kid die early. No one should have to bury their child. And so if you could eliminate that, I think that's pretty cool. Let's move to TikTok now. Good old TikTok. This concept is called reverse sleep procrastination. People who have a busy life and feel that there isn't any control in their daytime routine or life, they'll stay up late even if they're tired because it makes them feel like they have control. Can you relate to this? This occurs if people who also, uh, oh, sorry, 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 this also occurs when people are going to have a busy day tomorrow, like the day coming is going to be busy and they want to control their time because they know they're not going to the next day. And this, uh, this non-controlling aspect is the same in your head, whether it's in the past from that previous day or tomorrow. Like, isn't that, and let's actually sit on that for a second. Isn't it crazy that when you visualize something, your body starts to physiologically change to that visualization. Hence, your brain doesn't know what's actually happening in front of you versus what you're imagining. It's only taking in the information. And so when you picture yourself being busy and that is stressful to you, your brain is going to feel somewhat stressed almost as much as when you were remembering how stressed you were yesterday or whatnot. Like your brain... Isn't that crazy? Your brain is just feeling that stress because the visualization is what it perceives. And that's so it comes back to this cool philosophical debate on like dreams. And sure, we say dreams aren't real, but of course, like they're very real. Like we have a physiological change. People wake up sweaty or they, the heart rate increases. Like our body changes to that imag- uh, image or I was going to say imagination. And just let that sit with you. Like, it's really mind-blowing how powerful our mind is. So the same thing happens when people procrastinate bedtime. It's even if they are busy tomorrow or they were busy that day. Our brain, we want to control our time ourselves. So we're tired. We want to go to bed, but we still don't. Because we also want that control more than we want to go to bed. Mind-blowing. I've got a quote that, take it as you will. 20 years ago, the internet was an escape from the real world. Today, the real world is an escape from the internet. Isn't that interesting? In what aspects does that resonate with you? I'll give you a second to think about that. So the Buddha was asked, what do you gain from meditation? He replied, nothing. However, let me tell you what I lost. I lost anger, anxiety, depression, insecurity, fear, fear of death, and fear of old age. So people, this is really interesting because there's so much in life. We're always seeking gain and we forget like, what are we stripping away? What's being removed that's toxic? And there is gain from that. So it's a play on words. Like clearly the Buddha is gaining, but he doesn't frame it that way. Instead of adding, he's saying what he's losing and that that can also bring pleasure and, and joy. So I saw this quote and it actually was the second time I heard it because the teacher told me this at Fanshawe. It's people will forget what you said and what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. This is actually, I would want to, if, if I wasn't 11 minutes into this podcast, I would just end it right here because that is the most powerful quote we were going to hear today. Never forget that people, people only remember how you make them feel. I'm not even kidding. I'm not kidding. And think about your past. What on, on June 10th, 2017 
What did your friend say to you? On that same day, what did your mother say to you? What did your brother say to you? Like, you don't remember. But you know what kind of a person they are. And at the time, you know what kind of a person they were at the time. People only remember how you make them feel. Never, ever forget that, okay? Um, wow, that is so powerful. Yeah, this teacher, and, and the reason the teacher told me this was I had reunited with her. I saw her way, uh, like a, a few months after the class had ended. And, I, you know, I'm a deep human being, so I had deep conversations with her. And that's what she was mentioning was, was like, she just re remembered me as a student because of how I made her feel with some of these deeper talks we had. Anyways, food for thought, people. That is so powerful. A French philosopher, he believed that we are not bound by our realities anymore. We are bound by hyper-realities. And so if you're wondering, how does this make sense? We reference not the ref, uh, reference, the people that actually create the content. Like, like to put this in perspective, if someone said, this is how a star is made in the, in the universe, I don't reference them. We're at the point where we're not going to read a book and we're not going to read it from them in a book. We're going to hear it from our friend, right? And so instead of our realities being like concrete, and this is a theory, people, it's saying our realities are being given to us through the, the ch broken telephone chain. You remember that game, broken telephone? It's like we're getting everything now, not from the reference, but from other people in the conga line. And it's interesting to think about like that. Our references don't come from the actual reference anymore. Food for thought. They, an example they say is it's the news reporting on other news stations news. And you see them like talking about an interview about an interview and what people said that they said about someone saying something. When I, when I tried to extrapolate this, I had trouble except for the our vicarious experience is all i could think about we are in an age where instead of traveling to tokyo we're just going to watch a video of someone walking through tokyo that's the hyper reality this philosopher is saying and that we aren't bound to that anymore like we're in the past we used to be bound to reality aka we we had to go see tokyo ourselves, otherwise we wouldn't but once photography was created and, and now i would argue like video and youtube that's the hyper-reality we're bound to. Now we are bound to that. We cannot do anything more than vicariously live through a YouTube channel. And who knows what the next bound will be. Maybe next time we're going to be bound to holograms. We'll be popped in there in like a 360 camera feeling the wind. And that's what we're going to be bound to. But then what the hell is next? <laughs> Sorry if I'm going off on this. But I'm just, you can really now, now I'm starting to get, get what that philosopher said. Because at first I was confused. Think of, in the past, you wanted to talk to someone. You had to actually go talk to them. Now you do not. And don't even think about personal relationships. I'm talking about, you want to talk to, um, name someone. You want to talk to Michael Jordan. In the past, you would have had to literally go knock on his door or stalk him. In today's day and age, you go watch an interview of people talking. It's the same thing. That's hyper-reality. And I would argue, actually, what we're going to be bound to next is what Joe Rogan had discussed once. 
and people, I'm not a Joe Rogan douchebag. I'm just saying he said how there's so much audio and other stuff saved from you and I that it's realistic one day a person could generate an AI that was you and it, and it answered questions with all the audio you've ever had ever on social media and your phones and whatnot. And then people could literally have conversations with the dead. And maybe that's going to be the next hyper-reality we're bound to. I don't know. All right, I think I'm going to move on. This says to get in the habit of asking yourself, does this support the kind of life I'm trying to create? Okay, I'll say that again. Ask yourself this all the time. Does what I'm doing support the kind of life I'm trying to create? There is power in walking away from spaces, people, situations that no longer serve you. That quitting has a stigma. There's a stigma to quitting. Quitting is a good thing if it means you're propelling yourself into a better position. Okay? Get into that habit. What you're doing right now, does it support the life you're trying to create? Do not waste your time. Life's too short to waste your time. Even though I say that, and maybe it's like the Mary's Room problem where I say it, but I don't truly understand it. I disagree. I don't think life is short. I actually think life is pretty damn long, but that's just my own personal opinion. Here's one. You don't think pictures are important until that's all you have left of someone or something. So take value in pictures. Save them. Create an album. I have a private album no one but me can see on Facebook for just little memories that I don't care to show people, but it's for me. Like one day, and I actually, it's going to sound ridiculous. I got it from the minimalist people. I take photos of old clothes or tchotchkes and stuff because one day, like if I, I'm going to donate them because I don't want to have clutter, but I'm going to miss them. And so when I have photos, I can look back and go, ah, I remember the time with that. I remember that shirt and it's fun. It's fun to look back instead of my mother has memory box after memory box, like too many of just random little things and they take up too much space. All right, let's get to this book summary. It's called Creativity, Inc. And, well, this is the summary of a summary. I know, I know. I'm the worst schmendrick on the planet, but listen to me here. It first says, the more time you spend mapping out an approach, the more you get attached to that approach. And so this is a friendly reminder, people, because it reminds me of the sunk cost fallacy. That when you invest time into something, you will usually follow through. Uh, to your demise sometimes, and that's what the sunk cost fallacy is. Go Google that if you haven't heard of it. And if you're too lazy to Google, in one sentence, it's pretty much that when you put time and, and finances into something, even if you know it, it's not going to work out, you might finish it anyways. Hence, finishing a bad movie, even though you know you're not going to like it because you spent a, month, a dollar to go watch the movie. The book discusses holding on to things that work and that we have a tendency to just hold on to things that work, but nothing more. Nothing that progresses us forwards. Just works. Like, it keeps us alive. Do you, do you guys objectively see anything that in 10 years you'll think held you back? But right now, it just works. You just, you're in the city because it works. You're making some money. Or you're seeing that person because they work. They're not mean, but they're also not making you better. And it's just, you know, that, like, stagnant plateau. Are you there? Think about it. Objectively look at it right now. Okay. And tie that into that quote of, does this support the kind of life I'm trying to create? Tie those together. Is what you are doing these days supporting the life you want? And in down the road, you look back and say, oh, I was just coasting because of fear or whatever. 
think about that. Really think. I know it's painful to do that, but you have to. And it's okay to quit. Let let go of some things. So anyways, this book, this was on Disney, I believe, or Pixar. No, Pixar. It was a summary on Pixar. And that's why I only took a few notes from it because the majority of the summary was like talking about Pixar, the company, and how they grew to what they are today. So kind of boring. Like I'm not a big fan of like those. There's a lot of books talking about how a company grew to become public. And hey, a lot of entrepreneurs love that because they like hearing about that. Uh, It's boring to me. Let's get into the healing early trauma seminar here. I'm at the 20 minute mark. This will be the last thing I talk about. So sit tight. Ready for an absolute hot take. And I'm not educated on childhood trauma, but there are some psychologists that this is all they study and work on. And this is what one of them said. If we do not treat developmental trauma at the root level, we will succumb to a form of chronic illness. And I'm sure, I am sure that is true because I can tell you the ripple effect with our hormones, hence the stress hormone, cortisol. It leads to cardiovascular disease if we have elevated cortisol for a long period of time. And I'm just, so chronic illness, think about it. Cardiovascular disease is a chronic illness. Some people have heart disease forever. They get surgeries, they always have struggles. You never know. Uh, And then the ripple effect... Uh, from that can lead to weight gain, which can be a chronic illness when your blood pressure is too high from your heart working too hard for the body you have. And like all these little things that you'd be surprised from these traumas, if if they're subconscious and you don't understand how stressed the body is your whole life, you're going to have these physical uh, ailments. The mind and the body aren't separate. They work together. Never, ever forget that. So there's this thing called shaking it out. Uh, actually, I learned about this, yeah, right around the time that I read about this. And it's people that literally shake to get anxiety out. Now, where they get this from? Animals. So if you go type in animals shaking out stress, you will see dogs do it when they get in altercations. Um, do- uh, polar bears do it when the scientists come and shoot them with tranquilizers. Like They'll start shaking when they're unconscious. It's crazy. And a lot of other animals do this. So some people, there are some like hipsters online that shake it out. If they're feeling anxious, they shake it out and just do what the body wants to do. And it makes them feel better. But she said in the seminar, shaking it out is not the end-all be-all. That is not going to just get rid of your anxiety. It might placebo you for a second, but it's not going to actually treat it. Fun fact. We still hang on to the coping mechanisms we had as kids. Let that sink in. That I, I love thinking about childhood trauma, probably to my demise. But listen to this. A, a big one is numbing, okay? A lot of people numbed as kids. Think about it. Your parents argue, so you don't want to get in trouble. You stay in your room. You don't talk to them about it. You stay quiet. You don't even bring it up later. And then you start to learn, because you're a kid, you don't think about this stuff. You just learn to do it all the time. So when friends start to argue, you might be the one who backs away, just kind of stands off to the side, lets it happen. And you don't at all intervene or even talk about it later. You pretend it didn't happen. So shutting down is a way to get rid of pain, right? We avoid an emotion and a feeling. So this ironically causes more pain as we grow up. Because then our relationships suffer when we're numb. When we don't communicate, our relationships suck. It's, it's that simple. The energy simply bottles up. And so don't forget that as a kid, you might have numbed. And start to look at the way you behave when things get stressful or chaotic. Do you numb? What's your coping mechanism? And remember, if you numb, you were just doing 
well, not you, I would say your subconscious, whatever you identify as, was protecting you. It was just doing its job in the moment to protect you, but it isn't protecting you in the long run. And that's what our body does. Our ego is always protecting us in the moment because what we did yesterday is the reason we're here today. You could have smoked a pack of cigarettes yesterday. Your ego knows that you got here today by doing that. It doesn't know it's going to kill you 20 years from now. It just knows that you're here today. And so your ego is stupid. It thinks, oh, everything I did yesterday got me here. That's just application of knowledge. It's no different than our coping mechanisms. And I'm personally a number and I've realized I numb. And so I've been really working on just being very transparent when issues arise and being able to like kick people out of my life if they if they they can't handle that it is hard but like it trust me it is worth it as well you really filter through all the schmendrix out there now that we're adults we might have to process memories so that she talks about this concept of as a baby you don't remember things as a baby right our first memories come from three or four years old maybe if you're a stud too and so their traumas, even as a baby you have, or had, that cause anger for no reason, make you cry without knowing why you're crying, a whole laundry list of other things. And this stems back to a concept TikTok told me about, which was adult babies, people that make loud noises and make a fuss to get something they want, even if they don't know what they want. Because think about it, a baby cries so that someone will come and fix whatever's going on because it doesn't feel good. And that's why the mother has to guess. She goes, oh, uh, bathroom, hungry, thirsty, whatever, cold, warm. The baby doesn't even, can't articulate that. And a lot of adult babies, people who are adults saying like, I'm so mad at what you said. You are so stupid. And they start just like projecting all this shit. It's no different. That adult is like the baby. It can't articulate how it feels. So what does it do? It makes noises. It, it shouts until someone is willing to calm the person down. And so what do these adult babies do? They, they look for partners that will calm them down like a caregiver when they're angry. And then that's it. And when they feel better, they, they just move on. They move on until the next outrage happens. And so what I'm saying is uh, <laughs> that was such a tangent. But yeah, just keep in mind like what you feel sometimes, sometimes, and the theoretical could come from trauma as a baby, believe it or not. But let this be a friendly reminder to articulate your thoughts in a calm manner. And if you're not calm, then have the maturity to say, I got to talk about this tomorrow. And if you're not calm the next day, keep pushing it. But articulate that. Say to the partner, hey, I'm no, and I, by the way, disclaimer, because I can hear myself right now, I am not a therapist. I'm not a coach, a relationship coach. This is just my thoughts. This is an auditory journal. So anyways, back to it. If you have a partner, just articulate. I literally can't talk about this right now. It would lead to me getting upset. Uh, can we please push it tomorrow? And if they get upset over that, see ya. They, move on. It, it's literally, let me go back. It's literally the saying, and I love this saying. Now I didn't realize how much I like it. Does this support the kind of life I'm trying to create? What kind of a life are you trying to create? What kind of partner do you have in that life you're creating? If that person isn't going isn't to be patient and let the fumes subside, fuck off. Get rid of them. It's as simple as it. Anyway, and so our, just don't be an adult baby. Don't be an adult baby. Just 
Tell people how you feel. And but be calm about it. Um, and, and I know I know what you're saying right now. You like Zev, you're telling me for the rest of my life I can never raise my voice and yell. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm sure it'll happen. It will happen. But as long, in my opinion, as long as it doesn't happen too often, like you really make it a once in a blue moon thing so you can be forgiven and it's not part of your personality trait. But it's just really immature. Don't be an adult baby. Because in that video as well, she talked about adult babies will, they make everyone else feel the way they do with name calling and yelling so so that everything no one knows what to feel anymore and when no one knows what to feel anymore then they they feel okay that with how they feel it's this and and so you can almost tie that then to insecurity so at first they might be yelling and shit due to fear and whatnot um jealousy insecurity but then in the end it'll just be they're like oh shit i'm the only one freaking out like i need to bring people down to my level Anyways, this is an absolute rant. I did not think I'd rant like this at the end, but it's so powerful because I just don't, I wish everyone knew about this. Not everyone knows about just being an adult baby and it's so cool to me. So I'll leave it at that. Thanks so much for listening. We're, we're literally right at the 30 minute mark when I finish up here. This was good. This was good. I'll be back next week. Enjoy your week. Shalom Aleichem and just keep improving yourself, people. This is a good one. Take care. Wish you the best.